Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start verse 26. The Bible says here, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you, for many, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What's the promise? Real quickly, let's go back to Genesis chapter 12. I just want to read you just a few verses there. You don't have to turn there, but I'll I'll read these for you. Now, the Lord said to Abram, because at this time his name had not yet been changed to Abraham. He said to him, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is all the information God gave Abraham. So Abraham, the Bible says, or Abram, departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot, his brother, went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from here. And how many of you know it's not too late to start obeying the Lord? It's never too late. Some of you are like, man, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Today is the day you can make a decision to begin obeying God and watch the tide begin to turn in your life. You can choose that today. 75 years old when he departed, Abraham took his wife, his lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were there in the land. The Bible says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. Now watch this. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord called the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going still toward the south. It's an amazing thing. Bethel means house of God. Ai means house of ruins. Right in the middle of that place, between the house of God and between a house of ruins, he built an altar. In other words, there's something to be said about the middle of our journey. We're not the ruins we used to be, and we're not where we're going, but thank God we are in the middle. How do you want to thank God for the middle right now? I don't know how many of you feel like you have arrived. I don't feel like I've arrived. I feel like I'm in the middle of something. I'm right in the middle of something. So God made these promises, great promises to Abram. And uh, the Bible says that we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So these promises to Abram are promises to us. God desires to bless us. And in blessing us, he wants us to be a blessing. And God even says that whoever curses us, he will curse. That means that his protection will be over our life. He will be with us. He will make our name great, not for our sake, but for his name's sake. God wants to do these things in your life. And I pray that you would begin to, over this summer, 
begin to see more and more of the reality of what God has already done for you and accomplished for you in Jesus name. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We give you glory and honor for everything that you're going to do, everything that you're going to say. Father, I thank you for your presence that we feel in this room right now. You are a good God. You are faithful. And we thank you, God, that you are here with us and that your desire is to speak to us, that we would leave this place different than how we came in. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Hebrews chapter 11 kind of goes into a little bit of detail of Abram's story. And I want to I read just a couple verses to you from Hebrews 11. The first two verses are very important because we're going to be talking about faith. Now, faith is not a destination. Faith is not an event. Faith is truly a journey. Faith is truly a journey. Uh, the Apostle Paul would, would kind of call it a fight. I fought the good fight of faith. I ran my course. It's, it's a journey. It's not, it's not necessarily about the destination, although the destination is very important. <laughs> and it's not necessarily about an event that happened in our life, even though those events are very important. It's about the journey. It's about this journey of faith. And the Bible says here in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now watch this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So in other words, God, God declared something, the universe responded, and the world was formed, right? So that what is seen was made out of what was visible. What faith does is it takes things out of a realm that is unseen and brings them into a realm that is seen. So in other words, God speaks when obedience happens, things that were invisible become visible. In your life, there are things that God wants to bring into your life. He has spoken over your life. He has declared in your life. He has commanded in your life. But until things obey, mainly us, because <laughs> the universe just responds, it, he created it. It does what he says. We're the only thing in, universe, in the universe that disobeys the command of our creator. Why? Because he gave us free will. Why? Because of love. Love demands free will. If love wasn't a choice, it wouldn't be love. It's a choice. And so God gives us the choice. It's an amazing thing. He, he doesn't give a tree a choice. He doesn't give the animals really a choice. But we have this choice. We have this relationship with God that is so unique. It goes even beyond the animals that he created and the nature that he shaped and made with his voice. There's the call and there is the response. And when we respond in obedience, things that are invisible become visible in our life. Now watch what happens with Abraham, verses eight, and ten, eight through 10. By faith, Abram, or Abraham at this point, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were 
heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This is what Abraham did. Abraham, before he ever saw promises fulfilled, he made his home in those promises. In other words, he built his life around what God had said about his life. He believed God to such a degree that every place he went, his, his, his heart was settled on the promise that God had made for him. And he refused to settle in any other place than the place that God had determined that he was going to live his life. So his heart was so set on the promise that he would not settle for something false. He would not settle for something that was not the full reality of what God had determined for his life. And I think I'm in a room full of people who are going to live the rest of their life refusing to settle for anything less than everything that God has for their life. I don't know about you in first service, but I know for me, I am refusing to live my life in a place God never called me to live my life. And I am my, I have made my heart. I have made my home. I have made my dwelling place, the promises of God. And I refuse to settle for anything less. Can somebody say amen? But I, I, the, the living in the reality of them has everything to do with, with not what God can do but with my obedience to what God has said. I love what the Bible says here. It says God made some incredible promises to Abram, but he received as an, as an inheritance. Why? Because he obeyed and went. He obeyed and went. He obeyed and went. It's not enough for God to speak to us. James tells us, he says, don't deceive yourself. It's it's not in the hearing that the blessing comes. It's in doing that you receive the blessing. God has declared some things in his word that he expects us to obey. There is the known will of God that we see in his word And there is this revelatory will of God that we receive as we obey his word. In other words, that would be like the direction for our life, the purpose of our life. But we have so much revealed to us that what is not revealed would become our reality if we would just do what has already been revealed. So many people are wondering what their purpose is in life. And if they would just begin to obey God's word purpose would begin to take place in their life. The thing that they've been longing for and desiring after and seeking after would begin to just become a reality as we obey what is known. There's so much known to us that we could live the rest of our lives on what is known. We could find purpose in what is known. And sometimes we spend so much of our time wasting on what is unknown and what five years is five years down the road is going to look like and what's my life look going to look like in 15 years and where's God going to have me in 20 years and God just saying if you would just do what I have declared to you in my word that doesn't even count the prophetic words we get and and the encouraging words that we receive and the words of affirmation and 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 the words of 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 
of direction that we receive from other people. Those that we have so many words that if we would just obey, we would begin to walk in the things that God has for our life. D.L. Moody wrote it and he said this way. He said, some say faith is a gift of God. So is the air, but you have to breathe it. So is bread, but you have to eat it. And so is water, but you have to drink it. In other words, yes, it is a gift, but for that gift to be in operation, we've got to use it. Faith is a gift, but it's got to be used. Faith, James said, faith without works is dead standing alone. God speaks. All of the universe responds. What will your response be to what God has spoken? Will you obey? Will you obey? Or do you look at the Bible as a bunch of suggestions? Because I don't see it that way. I see it as God has declared something and we must follow the command of Jesus. We must do what he says. We must go where he says to go. I don't understand the idea that we're living in today that people can just make up their own minds about what they think is right and wrong. I, I, I don't get that. I, I don't understand this mindset that says I can live however I want and still receive everything that God has for my life. You can't, you can't violate principles and pray promises and expect to receive them. You're like, wow, welcome back, Pastor Rob. We really missed you. <laughs> the Bible says that we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Seeds require three things to unlock their potential. Write this down if you're taking notes. They require water, oxygen, and temperature. A seed to unlock its potential requires these three things, water, oxygen, and temperature. For us, being a seed to unlock our potential, we require the same three things, but they're called three different things. The water for us is the word of God. Oxygen for us is actually obedience. And the temperature is his spirit. The temperature is his spirit. The water is the word. Luke chapter six, verses 46 through 49. Jesus says here, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So we find out a few things. Jesus says, why would you even call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say? And when we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus and we don't just ex express that he is our savior, but he must become Lord of our lives. Jesus is saying, if you want to call me Lord and you want that type of relationship with me, then you better do what I say. Because everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. 
He says, they are like a person who digs so deep until they find the rock and they build their house on that rock that when the storms come and blow against that house, that house does not collapse, but it stands firm in the day of the storm. Can I tell you something about believers, people who truly follow Jesus? Can I tell you, we are not exempt from the storm. We are just exempt from the fall. Come on. Storms hit every single house. They hit your house. They hit my house and they come in severity in different grades of severity. You got those strong thunderstorms, you know, those evening ones that we see around here sometimes with some lightning and some thunder. And then, you know, you turn on your weather app and all of a sudden it's blinking red and it's like tornado watch. You've got, there are so many different levels of storms and they hit every single house, but it doesn't matter what the level of storm is. If your house is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then you will not be shaken. Can somebody say amen today? Because there is a foundation that I can build my life on that no matter what is happening in the earth, I will not be shaken. And I refuse to build on any other foundation. I refuse to cut corners. I refuse to not do it because of the cost. I will do whatever it takes, just like this person here described in Luke, to get to the rock. I got to get to the rock or else I'm not building it. I got to get down deep or else I'm not building it. I don't want to build it on a slab. I don't want to build it on sand. I remember when we were getting ready to build a house and we could have cut about $40,000 off the cost of building our house if we would have just put it on a slab. Nothing against the slab. It's just when a, when a tornado comes, you're going to be running to my house because it's got a basement in it. Right? And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be looking at the weather app and run it, calling everybody trying to find a basement when a storm comes. I want my own basement. I don't care if I can't finish the top floor. I want to finish that basement. I got friends. I got friends. Listen, they, they, they built their house. It took them 10 years to build their house. They built a, a million-dollar home. It took them 10 years to do it, though. What did they do? They built the basement first. And they lived in that basement that thing was underground. You'd walk up to their house and you were like, what is that? That's a basement. That was their home. And they lived in it until they could afford to build the next level because they knew that if we're going to go higher, we got to go deeper. If we're going to go to another level, we've got to dig down to the rock if we're going to have something that stands the test of time, we've got to lay that foundation on the rock. Now watch, it's not just who hears. You're not building your house on, on the rock if you just hear the word. You are building your house on the rock when you obey the word. So it's not just about hearing the right thing. It's about doing the right thing. And I'm going to say that until somebody in this room says amen. Because listen, we live in a culture that says you can do whatever you want 
You can live however you want. You can have views of what you can, you can think about, about relationships, about sexuality, about addiction, about all, however you want. It doesn't matter. Whatever you go, whatever you feel is what God is, what God is cool with. Can I tell you something? Somebody lied to you. God still has a standard. God still has a word. See, men have opinions, but God has a word. And you can't build your life on your feelings and your opinions and CNN and Fox News. You have to build your life on the word of God. It is the only sure foundation. That's it. Welcome home. So how do I, how do I make obedience to God's word the foundation of my life? Very simply, you have to make it the first part of your day. I've been preaching for, it'll be 20 years this year. And that, seem, that seems weird to me. I was 19 years old when I preached my first message to, to our youth ministry on a Sunday night. And I talked about storing up treasure in heaven. And uh, we burnt that tape. It does not exist. <laughs> Can't find it. It was, it was bad. And, uh, but for 20 years, I've been preaching. And for 20 years, I've been saying this same thing. If you don't make God first, you cannot expect to win your entire day. You can't. You have to make him the first priority of your day. You have to seek him in his word. You have to seek him in prayer. And when you seek first, Matthew 6, 33, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need will be added unto you. You have no idea how much life, how much wisdom, how much clarity, how much purpose you are missing out on because you start your day off without the Lord. This man is so quiet in here. We start out without him. The alarm clock goes off, boom, hits the snooze maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times. Get up, crawl our way into the kitchen, to the Keurig machine. We get that coffee going. We sip that coffee. Kids start waking up. We start chasing them around. The next thing you know, we're in the car, taking them to school, or we're in the car. We're on our way to work. We started the work day, and we have not talked to the Lord. Imagine how good your marriage would be if you left your house every day without speaking to your spouse. Just think about that for a second. Like every day you woke up, they're in the room. It's not, it's not that they're not there. They're not on vacation. They're there. You wake up, they're laying beside you. You just roll over and you get out of bed. You go through your whole routine in the morning. 
you get dressed, you do everything you've got to do, and you walk out of the house and you don't say one word to them. How bad would your marriage be? We do that with the Lord every single day. We wake up, he's there. It's not that he isn't there. It's not that he's on vacation somewhere. He's there. But we wake up every day and we get our day started and we get into the activities of our day without saying one word to him. That's not healthy for our relationship with him. We've got to make him the first part of our day. I could honestly, I could, I could probably stop preaching and probably never have to preach again if we would all just make the decision that we're going to make God first. <laughs> oh, man. But we develop this, this relationship with the Lord that is like a 911 call to where I know you're there, but I only call if I need you. That'd be like only talking to your spouse when you want to be intimate. How's that work out for you? So we've got to make him the first part of our day. And as we make him the first part of our day, what happens is his word does not just become some theory or some idea or something we hear on a Sunday or something we, we read through a Bible study to get, but it becomes a weapon that we use for the challenges of our daily life. Because what's in you comes out of you. What you take in is what you put out. What you starve is what will die and what you feed is what will live. And I'm telling you, when you make him the first part of your day and you seek his kingdom first, then that word that you get in the mornings becomes a weapon for you throughout the day. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. How many of you would say Monday is evil? Tuesday is evil. Wednesday is evil. Thursday is evil. Friday's not that bad because it's the end, but <laughs> the every day of the week, there's evil coming at us every day. And so the Bible says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6, 17 in the message translation says that the word of God is an indispensable weapon. Matthew 4, 3 through 4, the tempter came to tempt Jesus. And he said to Jesus, if you are God, or if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. How did Jesus combat the accusations, the, the words, the misuse of the word back to the enemy? Jesus says, it is written. You need to get a daily, it is written over your life so that when the enemy comes to you at 930 in the morning and tells you you're not good enough, you look at him and say, no, nah, it is written. And when the enemy comes to you at noon and tells you you need to get up, give up and give in, you need to look at him and say, it is written. And when the enemy tells you at four o'clock that you ain't done nothing, you're no good, you're not a good provider, and you walk into the house and your home seems to be a mess, you need to look at the enemy and say, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If it's my life, then I need it every day. So I don't just make hearing it a priority. I build my life on doing God's word. 
I told you every seed, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Every seed needs three things. The word. Obedience. And spirit. Spirit. You need empowered. When we read the word and we obey the word. We are empowered to do more than what we thought we could do. So when I hear a word and I decide to respond to that word, God begins to, by his spirit, now empower me to do what I set my heart to do. When I set my heart to obey his word, and I begin to walk out on that word, I begin to find that even though I didn't know where the resources were gonna come from, I didn't know everything that God had in mind, I didn't know everything that it was gonna require, I begin to find supernatural strength to do what God has called me to do. I need not only proximity to Jesus, I need transparency with Jesus so that I can experience intimacy with Jesus. Now, in Luke 17, I'll leave you with this story. The Bible says that there were some men that needed to be healed. And Jesus told them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. They obeyed. They, they, they were cleansed. But there was one, the Bible said, that who was so grateful for what God had done that he turned back around and he said, I got to go thank Jesus. I, 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 know he, I, I know he gave a command, but, and, and I know I'm, I'm cleansed as I go, but, but I, I, need, I need more than just a command, and I need more than just to be cleansed. I want to be made whole. And so I've got to, I, I, I turn and I walk back to Jesus, and I, I tell him thank you. And this is what the Bible says, that not only did he in proximity come close to Jesus, but that because he came close and he was grateful, now he was experiencing relationship that, that, that came not as just a result of obedience and not just as a result of doing what God said, but as a result of gratitude for what God had said. This is the level we got to get to. Not only do we just hear God and do what he says, but we're thankful for what he said to do. And then the Bible says when he gave gratitude, he became whole. See, <laughs> faith will get you clean. Gratitude will make you whole. Somebody's hearing me this morning. Your faith, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith will save me. Gratitude will complete me. Gratitude will make me whole. When I thank God, not just for the fact that he spoke to me, not just for the fact that he is wanting to use me, but for whatever he spoke to me, for however he is using me, I look to God and I say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you that you didn't leave me by myself. Thank you that you didn't abandon me when everybody else was walking out on me. Thank, thank you that you're still calling me by my name. Thank you that you know who I am. Thank you that my father, my father and my mother may, may forsake me, but you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. When we become grateful, we become whole. 
and we're walking in an incomplete life until we turn in gratitude. Yes, at your word, we will go. But I want to say thank you first. I want to say thank you that you hear me. Thank you that your ear is tuned in to what my heart is crying about. Thank you that you're thinking about my life, that you are thinking about my needs. Thank you that you didn't leave me the same way you found me. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, hey, you're whole. You're whole. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. So the goal today, as we introduce ourselves to to Abraham and his life, it's not that he did everything perfect, but he did obey and he did go. It's not that he always did it right. I mean, from the get-go, he makes a mistake. In Genesis 12, he goes into a town. He knows his wife is real pretty, and if they think she's pretty, they might take her from him. So he says, hey, she's my sister. He messes up. He doesn't do it all right, but he walked in obedience. And when he walked in obedience, the Bible said that that the Lord began to deal with the heart of Pharaoh and that the heart of Pharaoh was convicted And God spoke to the Pharaoh and said, that's not his sister, that's his wife. And if you touch her, I'll hurt you. This is how good God is when we obey. Even when we don't know all the details and we don't always do it the right way and we don't always say it the right way, but when we get our our hearts made up and we begin to walk in obedience, God, is this the right way? Am, Am I doing it right? And we begin to walk, God says, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you because you gotta remember, my goal is to make you a great nation, to bless you, to 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 protect you. That's what I'm going to do. Father, I thank you today.